0: all right ladies and gentlemen welcome to another wow is this like one of the no this isn't the penultimate episode of the season I don't think we still have another wow. week of uh, league games. We have yet to decide the Premier League winner. And then we have the Champions League final. Oh, we have the Europa League final tomorrow. And then we have Champions League final. So long story short, though, this is not. The <laughs> uh, yeah. but anyway.
1: and, and at some point, we got to do our team of the season. So, you know, I, I don't know. I can't p- uh, pencil in a date for that one yet, but but we'll <laughs> do it. We'll do it sometime, maybe hopefully in June.
0: That might be a good summer episode when uh when things die down because there are no summer competitions. Like they yeah. I mean
1: they move the movie. We, we got the women's we got the women's Euros this summer. Oh my god, is that this summer? Yeah, yeah. I completely forgot about that. Wow. Yeah, so so there we go. We got we we so we got some tournament well, I,
0: We actually we have the uh the women's champions league final is coming this up. weekend, right? This weekend, yeah. I'm I'm very excited to see Barcelona, Leon Barcelona take on Leon and uh hopefully win. I don't know. They the Leon has been like the Thanos or the Kryptonite for the Barcelona <laughs> side over the last couple of years, so we'll see um but they did of course win win the champions League last season, so
1: possibly leak uh I don't know how to pronounce her first name Leake martin Martin leaky martin possibly her last match
0: I will be so mad like truly <laughs> like truly so mad if she leaves. she is so just such quality and so charismatic, but I She's- unfortunately... Yeah, control so, anything.
1: What what she did to Chelsea's defense last season in the Champions League final was <laughs> was was quite depressing to watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You remember that? Uh, yes, I. How could I not forget it? It was like four nil after 12 minutes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was shocking, shocking
0: behavior, disrespectful, in fact. But anyway, I guess that's our long-winded way of saying hello. I'm talking about all the upcoming stuff uh, that's going on. A lot happened over the, what, last four or five, six days, something like that, both footballing and not footballing. Um, I'm not in New York. Rian is starting to hopefully repair his broken limbs. Not actually broken, but he's okay. Um, There's just a lot going on in life, but it's nice. Honestly, the biggest thing for me is it's not freaking cold outside. (laughs) And, like, walking outside, I'm – currently like i said outside of new york in a much warmer part of the country and it's arguably like too warm but i'm not gonna complain yeah. about that you're but much it's, hu- it's just so more nice. humid part <laughs> it's more humid yeah that's the biggest part like i honestly realized like i walked to work two days this week like back and forth and it was beautiful but you also get home and you're like Nah, i'm not i don't need to be in 90 degree heat in the summer that's not it that's just not it
1: uh, yeah, well, don't worry. That's coming for us, like, imminently here here in New York. So it's only a matter of time before it's, like, too hot to even lay in your bed. <laughs> when so, no one wants to
0: go outside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's That's honestly the worst part. But we're not there yet. We have a lot of soccer to get through, a lot of football to get through. So much to talk about because – while it's not the penultimate episode, we're very close to the end of basically every campaign. Um, most of them have wrapped up in terms of relegation, top four champions, but pretty big one has not. Brian, I guess we should probably start with the biggest highlights and headlines of the entire European campaign of, of Europe's top five leagues. Let's talk about the Premier League. Let's talk about The top four race and seemingly a title race that doesn't seem to ever end. And I don't think it's something that you expected back in December um, when City were just so far ahead. But final day of the season seems that's that's what's going to decide the fate of who wins the Premier League this season. Let's talk a little bit about City, right? I think this past weekend against West Ham was a really, really interesting game. You saw, and we talked a little bit about this last week, but you saw Kyle Walker, Laporte, and Ruben Diaz, kind of the three major major players for the City squad. All are out through the rest of the season. Do you think that that had a big part to play on the fact that City drew this game and potentially put their title hopes in jeopardy?
1: Yeah, I think I said on Twitter that that, for the most part city have been pretty lucky uh, relatively lucky with injuries this season we've seen at different points for the entire season we've seen all the rest of the top 4 and um and i look now we're now we've been seeing arsenal themselves going through like a terrible injury crisis that has <laughs> exposed um a lot of teams the, the gap that there really is between the top 2 and the rest of the league um i guess liverpool didn't go through quite as as bad of uh injuries but they had a lot of players well, key players be gone for Afcon, right? And, and they got to overcome that themselves. But it, it's been it's been a, an amazing year, I think, for a city in terms of defending, right? This is one of their best seasons under Pep Guardiola in terms of uh, the defensive record. They've only conceded 24 goals, and they've only conceded. Just about twenty four in terms of non penalty expected goals allowed right they're top in the in the, um top five leagues with that so to have the injuries that they 've had in the last few weeks you're expected to see some sort of uh some sort of drop off in in the defending from them right and we didn't really see it in either of the two premier league even in any of the premier league games really um but it seems like it's just catching up to them a bit right now, right? And I I, I beat this drum, like, constantly, uh, and, I, and I really have in the last month or so here, but the Cal Walker injury is is really, I feel like, the, the tipping point. I mean, that plus, you know, having to start Fernandinho, who is truly just on his last legs is probably a nice way of putting it right now. And and having him starting start at center back and then miss missing Cal Walker, it's just it's just huge and and it's and you're seeing how much more freedom teams are finding, especially on his side of the pitch. It's it's he's the most he might be the most irreplaceable player on the team. I think mm, I don't know if I would go that far. I'm not saying I
0: wouldn't. I'm just saying I haven't thought about it in terms of. Who might be the most irreplaceable player in the city's you know squad? I think everything you're saying is one hundred percent spot on though, right? like city maybe we have this perception of city being lucky with injuries because of how deep their squad is too, but generally speaking, I agree with you, if you think of major injuries across the city team, Kevin de Bruyne is probably the one that stands out the most, and in some ways you didn't really feel his effects. Largely until maybe January, in that period where they started to to slip a little bit towards, um, you know, closing the gap uh, with with Liverpool. But even then, City have such a deep squad. But now, I think they're in a position where three plus major injuries are exacerbating the weaknesses of the individual players that are not playing in very strong positions. Fernandinho being the obvious example of that uh in this situation right and i think during this game against west ham i i don't think i could have put together a more perfect plan um over than than what um what moyes david moyes put together because basically the quick transitions for both goals didn't necessarily leave fernandinho on the floor but they kind of did and that was the biggest problem that I think um, Mitch City ran into was just A, it was speed, it was the speed of the play, and also it was the lack of bodies that they basically had in the back. That's really what it came down to. And credit where credit is due, um, Dawson with with wonderful wonderful finish. So – or finishes. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, like when you <laughs> – I mean, especially up against a guy like Jared Bowen from from West Ham, when you're missing like that, that is where you're going to really feel the hurt of um, of no Kyle Walker, of no of no uh, or one center back, one of your starting center backs. Really, uh, was it?
0: Was it- I thought for some reason I had it that Craig Dawson scored both goals in my head, uh, but, uh, which he very clearly did not, by the way, he, <laughs> he's very much not that guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he has scored a bunch of, of headers uh, the last couple of seasons for West Ham though. So, so it, it was, it was a great performance from West Ham um, of course. And it, it's that plus Liverpool's win today against Southampton and we've got maximum drama on the on the final day now for we'll get on to top 4 and, and relegation but we we know we have it in those places and then we have it right at the top of the table too and it's kind of all you could ask for right especially after liverpool played a today they they beat southampton 2-1 played a pretty heavily rotated team especially compared to the team that played in the FA Cup final on over the weekend which we'll get to later but they rotated they still found a way to win I, I was I was nervous in, in terms of uh will we get that final day drama because of the the lineup that they started but I should have never doubted Minamino obviously and 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 Matip Ma how up. dare you
0: how how freaking dare you
1: <laughs> uh, yeah I mean look it, there's 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 really not many words to say anymore about this Liverpool team out of the resolve that they have the um they they rotated heavily and and still were pretty dominant in that game uh granted the Southampton side that doesn't have a lot to play for anymore that's that's always something to consider but look that's still a very difficult team to go beat and and Liverpool did go down early in the match and now like, we'll see, we'll see what happens on the, on the weekend. like this the the lineup played today was definitely I don't care what anyone says, like they, there was an eye towards the Champions League final with that. Like, that's There were some injuries that were picked up over the weekend, granted, Salah, Van Dyke, the two major ones. but that was the lineup that was put out with this thought of, I need to make sure that everyone's in the right place physically for the Champions League final.
0: Why do you think he did that? In this game though, versus
1: next. I, I'm I'm guessing just because it was a few days after the the FA Cup final, um I, I would think that it would be a lot harder to do this rotation on the final day. Um, especially if they won today with like a more Uh, with something closer to their starting 11 and then if they were to rotate on the final day when it's only one point that would i don't think that would go down well with the players or the or the fans that's for sure but um it was a gamble it was a bit of a gamble taken today and it was a gamble that definitely was you know it, it showed a bit more of care for the champions league final than than um the league which is which was interesting which was really really interesting but um hey we got again we got what we wanted and we're and we're now going to the final day (laughs) where we we got got what we
0: you got what you wanted (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: yeah yeah i I, as with someone who has someone who has money on them uh for the champions to win the champions league um this was a win-win honestly they rotated and they still got the win so now i so now maximum entertainment on the final day of the season and and also uh, a a good chance that some that maybe a couple guys don't get injured before that that Champions League final and and then give some other guys some time to uh, recover but now we go into the final day with the narrative that has been kind of looming for the last uh, month and a half or so where City go to I, I have to double check if they go to Villa or if they're If they're home to Villa, they're home to Villa um, on the final day of the season against Steven Gerrard, Philippe Coutinho, uh, Danny Ings, all three former Liverpool players. It's, It's again, like I said, maximum, maximum drama that we have now.
0: So let me ask you this. There's one scenario that's really funny to me. Liverpool draw Wolves 5-5 and City lose to Villa 6-0. That would take us to a playoff game between Liverpool and City, which would be catastrophically hilarious. (laughs) But obviously that's not going to happen. I guess my question, my real question is, do you think that Aston Villa have a shot of beating Manchester City?
1: they have been really really difficult for almost every team to play against um chelsea had a really really tough time playing against them they they only won 2-1 um liverpool had an extremely difficult time playing them just last week right um we, we've seen teams go there and yeah look go to villa look it's different different playing um at home to Villa, fair enough. But we've seen teams struggle, uh, the, the top teams struggle against them. So I expect the game to be, I expect at least the first 30 minutes to be pretty competitive. Um, well, look, I'm probably, that's probably already jinxed. subsidy will probably be off 3-0 after 30 minutes now that I've said that. But, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, now I'm expecting, I expect a very difficult game. I am expecting Steven Gerrard to not allow his players think that there's nothing to play for when there really is kind of nothing to play for, for them. Um, But, you know, on the other side, I think similar to what we saw in Arsenal's match against Newcastle, you have a Villa team full of players who now have a new manager. There's a new direction with the club. It seems like they're really going to try to push you know, for the top half next season. There are players that are playing to be on the team next season in the same way that we saw with Newcastle. So if that motivation is there, then again, I expect a competitive game. Um, now, Liverpool have Wolves at home who yeah, Wolves have kind of checked out for the last couple of games. But yeah, they've year. no, like
0: literally they've been waiting. It's like one of those where they've been waiting in the lobby for the team bus to arrive to like take them to the next season. Like mentally, yeah, agreed.
1: Fully, fully. So ordinarily that'd be a tough game because because wolves are so difficult to play against. Um especially with Jose saw who's been an amazing keeper. He, I, he's definitely gonna be one of my like nominees for for goalkeeper for uh for the team of the season. But Uh, again expecting a wolves team that that is more or less on the beach um on that final day (laughs) as uh
0: you can relate to basically off to cancun like some other people that we know (laughs) not personally but we know (laughs) um that's i think it's a very fair assessment i i do think that that villa game will be difficult i don't foresee Villa being able to get past city just because to for city to monumentally screw this up on the final day would I think I think that would be defined as a failure I think I think that's fair it's not to say that like finishing second is a failure to say that finishing second after having such a lead come the turn of the year to get to a point where you have the chance to win it on the final day and it's totally in your hands that in and of itself is a failure so I think we should be cognizant of that I guess if we should focus real really quickly, if we can, towards a team that has been the definition of hot and cold, like the, like the true definition of it. Arsenal, a few weeks ago, were four points up on Spurs and had top four in their sights. Spurs are now two points above Arsenal. With one game to go, and they play drum roll, please, Newcastle, sorry, <laughs> Norwich on the very last day of the season to potentially secure top four. When I say Arsenal have been so up and down, they have gone through losing their first three and ending up in last place in the league. They were unbeaten in their next eight. They lost three of their next four, then they won nine of their next 11, and they started April in fourth place. In fact, they were actually six points ahead of Spurs to then losing three straight, winning four straight, and now losing two straight. So all of that to say, Rian, do you think the season's now a failure for Arsenal if they finish outside the top four?
1: I actually don't think so. I I, I don't think a failure it's it's hard to say that it's hard to uh if you're an Arsenal fan to kind of wrap your head around that right now because circumstances change throughout the season obviously I failure is hard because like where we were after what three the first three matches like you said I, I distinctly remember um us having a, an episode after that 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 uh loss to Manchester City and I was genuinely trying to talk any of them, any Arsenal fans, off the ledge there, and and and, and trying to give them reasons why, you know, it, it's it's not all doom and gloom, and they really bounce back. And just looking at the team that they have, so many young players, and I said this a while ago, where when you have so many players of that age, you can't, ex- it's it's not the time to expect consistency for for like an entire season really like you're you're talking about 19 to 21 year olds. Um, That's that rarely happens. Like that rarely, rarely happens that they're, that um, they don't go in dips of form or, you know, make, make some bad decisions on the pitch at crucial times. It's, that's not the fail. It's not a failure in that sense. Um, I think finishing fifth is actually really good for, for them. Like one where, where we thought they'd be at the beginning of the season, where I don't think either of us had them in the top four. And also, like, they're not, they're not, they're fifth in terms of wage bill. So they're not underperforming in any sense in terms of the, the, the players that they have, I think. And I, I think there's a lot of positivity still, I think, going forward. this is still a really, really promising young team that needs, that needs you know, reinforcements over the summer. They, they need it. They, they, the depth has been completely challenged, and that's kind of the reason that they ended up falling off here. And, and look, we, we still have a, one game left, so don't want to count them out fully yet. But I think what's most disappointing is that performance, really.
0: You're, right? you're talking about the Newcastle one.
1: The Newcastle performance. That's yeah. what's really disappointing um, from an Arsenal point of view, a game that they know they need to win. And like I said, Newcastle, players playing for their future at newcastle because this summer we're going to see something ungodly in terms of <laughs> transfer spending yeah. um so i i think it's just really disappointing that they kind of went out and um they just looked so much slower than newcastle really and and joe ellington as a as like a number eight um In midfield, a box-to-box box has been, like, rejuvenated. He looks like a genuinely very good midfielder right now. And when he was being typecasted as, like, a target man forward for, like, two straight seasons <laughs> by Steve Bruce. So it really shows uh, the difference in managerial uh technique there.
0: There's one of many, but sure, go on. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And, and that plus, my goodness, Bruno Gimeraich. I, I, it's, it's, it's. It really shows you how um, how stupid some big clubs are that no one went for him. This is this is a guy who this is data from, from StatsBomb and, and FB Ref. In the last year, in terms of midfielders, he's in the 90, sorry, the 99th percentile in terms of tackles won, 90. 97th percentile or sorry uh 90th percentile in terms of dribbles um terms of dribbles like contested against other teams uh he's really really good in terms of defending 89th percentile in terms of tackles and, and interceptions and we we see what he what he brings on the attacking side right in those in that same time frame he is 90th percentile in terms of progressive passes 94th percentile in terms of passes into the penalty area 88th percentile in terms of key passes he's an all-around fantastic midfielder that was purchased his transfer fee I think was somewhere around like 24 million pounds 24 to 30 million ridiculous like a ridiculous um miss by just about every other Champions League club like name any one of them. It doesn't even have to be one of the like four to eight best ones. Any one of them. He was doing this in Ligue 1 for multiple seasons, and
0: he spent two years at Leon. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I, 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 it helps when Newcastle has the spending power now to be able to get those players, especially in January. They spent more in January than literally any other club in Europe. So you'd expect them to be able to get to, I think, bring themselves uh, up to at least mid-table level um, now, but I mean, Gimaraish and, and Joe Ellington just dominated the midfield in that game, and that was extremely impressive. I don't know you. I don't know you. You've gotten to see uh, Gimarais play some in in uh, Copa matches, right? A little bit. I mean, he has
0: he has only played about six times, I think, for for Brazil, but. Even in the the times that he has played, I believe he's he has one goal, for example. I think the one thing that like Chiche has taken away from this, or at least what I've seen and and how I've seen the teammates talk about him, etc., is that he has, yes, a bright future, but he basically could be like Casemiro's replacement in this Brazil team. Like could like could is, is a very ambitious word, right? For a reason because Casemiro does certain things, but when you talk about like players for now going into the future, like for the world cup, especially, I, I don't know if we're there yet for him, but I- the way that I've seen him play for Newcastle, especially in the second half of the season, like I'm sure the Brazilian national team is thinking about this for, for the end of the year. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. I- that's interesting. He brought up the Cas Casemiro. I'd also feel like that would, that would be, lim- that would be kind of limiting him too much to the Cas Casimiro's a, fantastic defensive midfielder and i don't i'm not sure if bruno um bruno gamara could could be that but he feels more like box to box Mm. but yeah i i I, i'm i'd be surprised probably if he started for brazil in the world cup but i would be very surprised but i would be but i would be uh slightly i would be slightly less surprised if he didn't even make the squad honestly like barring injuries of course but i'd be also surprised if he didn't make the squad um yeah no fantastic performance from newcastle arsenal put up a performance that looked a lot like the sixers last week in game six (laughs) looked a lot like the suns this past weekend in game seven where they lost 40 by 40 (laughs) um yeah it was it's a really weird one i i i'm just not sure i just don't know how you explain the how you explain the performance why it looked so flat honestly I don't know if there is an
0: explanation. It, it could very well be down to just an experience of maybe not knowing what to do in, in those type of high pressure situations. I feel like that's a cop-out response though. Like I truly do because no professional player, well, barred the 6% of the Suns, I guess, puts themselves in a situation to potentially basically clinch anything that they can with top four, obviously being the highest limit for Arsenal this season and goes on to just not know what to do. I think that's, a, that's kind of a fake answer. I think what in all likelihood happened is that Arsenal were potentially thinking too much about what was around them in the sense that I feel like they played this game almost not remembering that they were in control of their own destiny. Like they played as if Spurs were already ahead of them in the table. They played as if this game was not a consolation so much as but oh it's a long shot for us to to make top 4 and i don't think like there's any individual error or mistake that we can point to and say oh this is the reason why arsenal lost this game to know i think this was a collective sinking of of the team that i just didn't expect but in a lot of ways it should have been expected because we've seen these dips like throughout this entire season and I think that's part of just having an inexperienced team that may have not been in this type of situation before. Um, but I, I do think Arsenal are a good team. I think we share this like this opinion for the last several months. Like Arsenal are a good team. They just need more and more time to build chemistry with each other. Also, a striker, but you know, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. A striker, probably a couple backup midfielders. Is, I mean, our squad rotating midfielders. Look, it's it, as fun as it is as it is sometimes to to praise Mohamed El Nenny. It, it's he's he's not good enough to play for for the club. He's really not good enough to be um, consistently. Yes, yeah, he's not. He's just not good enough to to be the cover in midfield. There, it, it's it's that's just kind of what it is. Um, on to the other side of uh, North London. Obviously, it's it, it, not obviously, but but perhaps Arsenal's performance against Newcastle it was something of a hangover from that loss in the North London Derby the week before to Tottenham, who have now put themselves into the driver's seat. They kind of grinded out a 1-0 win against Burnley over the weekend, getting a penalty. They won't care. And then, you think Conte, Conte will It doesn't care? matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, It literally doesn't matter anymore how the points are picked up. It really doesn't matter. Um, but... You know, th- this isn't a fluke, really, For, for especially under Conte, but um, Tottenham, have, the underlying numbers are, have been very much in their favor, I think, the last uh, four or five months, specifically since Antonio Conte has come in. But even if you're just looking from the end of February now, in terms of non-penalty expected goal difference in the Premier League, Tottenham have only, are only second to Manchester City. They're above Liverpool, they're above Chelsea. They have been very, very solid in the back. They have, granted, relied on some extremely good finishing up top from, from Harry Kane and, and Hungman Son, especially, but for the most part, they are in a very different way than Manchester City and Liverpool and Chelsea they control games in a different way and they've been, and they have controlled games they've controlled for the most part the chances that they are conceding and and that has been kind of the big difference under Conte is that now they are just conceding less chances right. um look, they still have there's their defenders outside of outside of I think um Christian Romero who I think has been one of the signings of the season he's I think he's amazing. He's an amazing center back and um, they've been missing him for the last few games because of injury. But uh, outside of that, like those individual defenders who looked very, very shaky in the last couple seasons have been given kind of a, a foundation and been given a structure that doesn't expose them really, to to 1v1s and to chances to make mistakes. And that's kind of been the big difference, I feel like, for them uh, defensively. And then it's just kind of leveraging the, the great attackers that they have up top. Also, shout out to Dejan Kuliszewski, who's been a really good fit with uh, Hungman Sun and, and Harry Kane. So they look like they've kind of gotten into top four, like backdoor kind of way. But they they've they have been one of the four best performing teams in the in the second half of the season
0: definitely definitely I guess one of my questions here about Spurs that I I really don't know the answer to this because yes I agree that they've been one of the best you know better teams over the last let's call it five months you know in in the Premier League one of the things that just concerns me is all of this good work could potentially be undone if let's just say Spurs pull a Spurs next weekend, right? And somehow lose to Norwich and miss out on top four, which would be quite honestly unprecedented and extremely Spurs all at the same time. So my question here is, do, do you think, uh, let's say Spurs make top four, but do you think Conte is around to see them through next season, right? Like I, I feel like he's been so back and forth with what he said in press conferences, what he said in post-match interviews that I just can't get a grasp on it.
1: Yeah. Look from experience, you can't take much of what he says in the post-match conferences to heart. He is so moody and he, he really feels every result. He genuinely, like some people say, Oh yeah, I feel it. No, he genuinely feels every result. So it, 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 seems like it does truly make or break like his day his like weekend his week like i i really hope that back at home he's, he's not just like depressed when he loses a match or draws one or something like that i i hope he's able to to knock it off once he's once he's back home but um I, I do expect him to be with the club next season especially if they're in they're in the champions league look again there there's a there's a lot of work to be done there as well right um this this good run of of, uh, four or five months here has been coincided with no European football outside of it. Um, They were knocked out of the league cup in January by Chelsea. And they were out of the conference league, of course, too, um, by the end of December. And look, Antonio Conte with, with nothing, with nothing else to worry about except the league. This is what you see, and and you and you see him able to implement his ideas and and uh, the way he wants his team to play very very well, and and the players are executing it as well. So that is a very different team to an Antonio Conte team with you know Europe <laughs> as well, and we've and we've seen what that looks like too, and um, that is where there's a lot of work to be done in the summer because. If Spurs are not deep enough to rotate, which, you know, we've seen it come back to by Arsenal, especially with some of the, the, the outgoing departures that happened in, in January and them not really um, trying to get cover for those players. The same thing could happen for Tottenham next season. Um, and, you know, you, you I'd be hard pressed to say that I think Tottenham's depth is better than Arsenal's right now. So I, I think, it, I think it could be a very similar issue for them if they don't bolster the squad depth in the summer. And there's just going to need to be a lot of work done there as well. But getting to the champions league makes that you know, 20% easier, 20, 30, 20 to 40% easier. I, I mean, significant, like, like forget about
0: the monetary perspective. It's just the attraction of that alone is massive boost. I feel like everything that we've been talking about, this is the thing I struggle with with Spurs. Like everything we've been talking about, about depth has been a problem for years. They're like this isn't a new problem with Spurs and it's not a problem that Mourinho solved. It's not a problem that Pochettino solved. Like this has been continually a problem. So I don't think it comes down to Conte, for example. Like I do think this comes down to Daniel Levy and I do think it comes down to how they approach the rest of this summer spending and and how they want to plan for what players they want to potentially bring in and let go but I'm at a point with Spurs where I'm a little more hesitant in terms of how bullish I am with them for next season because I have seen this story written, and I know exactly how it goes just based on how this, this team spends.
1: Yeah, and that, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. But the devil's advocate of that might be, hey, this is the first season where they've had full – stadiums um not not for the entire season but for most of the season and look that's a huge stadium they've got people finally going in the revenue from that should be a huge boost to them um they finally have a director of football that has a good relationship with their with their manager in terms of fabio paratici and uh obviously he was big in terms of get bringing in um bettencourt and kuleshevsky you know obviously they're they're not going to uh, they're not going to be able to truly level up next season by just picking players from Serie A teams who are, who are trying to get rid of players, but there is at least a foundation there for, for um for recruitment, that makes sense with the coach that's there, at least, right? Um, we'll, we'll see how much they're willing to actually spend. That's that's a that is what has tripped them up in the past, right? But um, in terms of just being in terms of, in a good place foundationally, I feel like they're they are in a good place. Um, again, we'll just we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what it looks like next season when they are in Europe and again, asterisk asterisk here to, you know if they finish it out this weekend because I'm with you um if they were to lose to Norwich this weekend that Conte will not be
0: back I can tell you that
1: that would be an all-timer in terms of of uh, <laughs> uh Twitter in terms of football Twitter like that that would oh be Oh my god that would that would break the internet like like Norwich have five wins all season yeah so, like, Norwich have been relegated for a month a now, month yeah. like literally a month now, and honestly, mentally they 've been relegated for like four months now, <laughs> so it, it would be um truly extraordinary if they were to lose, but you know they only need a draw, they only need one point, so it's it should be it should be pretty safe now um, yeah, well, we'll see come next
0: Sunday because I think I texted you this after the um the city game, maybe it was a city game, I forget um someone I feel like is gonna die next weekend (laughs) like not a player or anything like that just like mentally someone is just going to be so done after this season but we'll cross that bridge when we get there Rian one last thing as it relates to the Premier League I want to talk about relegation because you did just mention it I want to talk about basically whatever is happening happening with Leeds slash Everton question mark like, I don't know if we can really call them in the relegation battle because they still have – I think they have a game in hand over Leeds and they're, they're, they're one point above. So I think they're relatively comfortable. But Burnley have lost their last two. They have a game in hand. Leeds have lost three out of their last five. It's It has not been good for our American friend. Where – Where does your heart lie with leads? Because I think we can always point back to the sacking of Bielsa, right? Being a really pivotal part of their season. Do you think it was too little too late? Or do you think that Jesse Marsh has not been able to maybe get the consistency that he wanted from this team, largely because of like we talked about injuries. We talked about just personnel changes, things like that. Which one of it? Which one of those two do you think it is?
1: Yeah, I. I hate to. It's not even necessarily blaming Marcelo Bielsa if, if you're to say that maybe they waited too long to to sack him. I think their recruitment over last summer was just like non-existent. It was they they had a team that had basically been running their asses off for. Two to three straight seasons under Marcelo Bielsa, and we know that that is, means something way different than any other coach. Um, a team that had pretty much pushed their limits in terms of, of what you could expect from a team of players who, I mean, for being honest, a lot of them are championship level players, right? And and under Marcelo Bielsa and, and under um, a, a a manager that really was able to tap into the right qualities for each player. They were able to overperform and, and make it into the Premier League. But we saw that they were pretty dead the last couple weeks of Bielsa, right? Going into his final match, or I say, I say, including his final match. Um, They were last in terms of goals allowed still are, um they had the second worst non-penalty expected goal difference and they just looked kind of dead now marsh came in um they picked up they were kind of unlucky their first couple games where they I think they just didn't finish chances and they lost and then they went on this run where they picked up 10 points from five games and it felt like they were in a good spot but then obviously burnley sacking sean dice she gave them the, some I, I I don't believe in the new manager bounds, but they but they picked up some really good results in the right after sacking Sean Dyche. and that's kind of brought Leeds back into this position. And then you throw on top of that, Luke Ayling and uh, Daniel James both just losing their minds in two straight games where the, where they get sent off, and then now they're out for the rest of the season because of red card. Um, all that being said, like you know, under Marsh since. Since um, Bielsa's sacking, they're just about 11th in terms of non-penalty expected goal difference. Like they're still conceding a lot of goals, of course, um, but they're closer to like to 14th in terms of goals allowed in that time, instead of the dead last, which they were in um, pre-Jesse Mars. So they're playing right around like lower mid-table and since March has come in, which kind of leads you to believe that maybe they should have made the change sooner. And, and maybe they could have been um just a, just a few points higher, maybe they could have been closer to where Newcastle is right now, if they, if they made the change in January. So it, it feels harsh, but it, it's not because of Marcelo Bielsa. It's because of, I think the poor, the poor recruitment really in the last couple of years for them.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg scenario, right? Because with some of that poor recruitment, you can only do so much when you're in the championship. And while they were obviously one of the better teams in the championship, that only goes so far when it comes to competing with Premier League, not just level of talent, but again, money. Like That's that's truly really what it came down to, I think, for Leeds this season. I don't know if they will be relegated. I, I, I think a lot of us kind of almost hope they aren't because I would love to see what they could do after one full season in the Premier League. And then next season, having a Premier League type budget allocated towards them. I, I do think that it comes down largely to the money more, more so than it does just poor planning, because with Marcelo Bielsa, you got an incredible manager. You got someone who understood the the team, the, the culture of, of the team and everything and really got to know the players. But you didn't really get to see the opportunity for change, and I, I would, I would love to just see what that looks like um, for Leeds, like over the course of basically two seasons, one in the Premier League, like albeit barely, and then the other being, who knows what happens next season.
1: Yeah, we we'll, hope we're crossing our fingers. Hope it would be a really sad story. It's a, I, I know that the Leeds players themselves have been pretty dirty the last couple of weeks, but it, but it would be, it would be a pretty sad story, especially um, with all the feel good factor that they had last season under, under Bielsa getting back into the Premier League. But um, like you said, matter of time, well, uh,
0: Leeds, Leeds play Brentford on the last day um, Brentford who I believe have nothing to play for. I don't, I think they're solidly mid table and they're very happy with that um,
1: yet. They, they put a beat down on, uh, beat down but but they came back from down to from down twice actually uh, um against everton this past weekend yeah uh like you said they're costly optimistic with everton to be it, fair okay well change.
0: with everton specifically i think that was largely the the demise of their own <laughs> it yes, was yes. just Brentford, you know like dominating, you know what I mean, like full yeah, yeah. beat down, but yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, they went down, went down to ten men after after taking the lead, amazing, and then um then what late second half, Salomon Rondon came on and uh, put in one of the worst tackles I've ever seen, <laughs> like from a professional, like yeah, not yeah, worse, yeah, yeah, exactly not not worse in terms of uh like it was dirty, but just more like it looked like someone who'd never try to tackle in their career really <laughs> um, but, um yeah so so ever now go into the final day where they play arsenal and and arsenal has to go into that game thinking that you know if spurs slip up then then uh we we have to win our match so it's they're not out of the woods yet i just don't i don't think they're out of the woods yet but uh at least as you said play brentford and then burnley um play newcastle united who As we said from the Arsenal match, like those players have something to play for as well. So I think, I think uh, those two matches plus I I expect Brentford to still be. I expect them to still be up for it. I just I just expect them to still want to finish as high as possible. So um, we come to the last day where where I still feel like any one of those three teams can go down.
0: That's scary. That some yeah someone is really going to be heartbroken by the end of this. Multiple people will be elated. It's the beauty of football. In in a weird, convoluted, and heart wrenching way, that is the beauty of football. That the unexpected becomes the expected, and everything and anything in between can it, it can actually happen. And I don't mean that facetiously. I mean that you know very very seriously. Um, so
1: yeah, I think we're getting one twist. I think we're getting at least one twist. We already we already talked about title, it though. We already talked about top. It. It. Title Top Four or Relegation.
0: Yeah, yeah, but we already know what it's gonna it's gonna be. It's Norwich beating Spurs, so I'm not <laughs> concerned about anything else. So yeah, we'll see. Sorry, Spurs fans. But anyway, with that, I think that wraps up everything we want to talk about this week. Obviously, like we said at the beginning, we have the women's champions league final on Saturday. We have the Europa League final this upcoming Wednesday. We're recording on a Tuesday night. We have the last round of European League games coming up this weekend Saturday Sunday Sunday really being the big ones uh to decide everything essentially in England and then uh the Champions League final the week after which uh Rian and I will be supporting I guess we'll be supporting the same team just expecting different things yes yes yeah let me clarify Uh, I'm not supporting Real Madrid (laughs) yeah yeah I was like where are you going with
1: this one um do you want to quickly touch on the FA Cup final
0: Oh my that's God! Yes, the FA Cup final in which Chelsea lost again on penalty shootouts. Do you want to
1: touch on that FA Cup final? <laughs> uh, no, I'll say this: no, um, no. It was a, it was still, I think, a fun game in some parts. Um, <laughs> that's that's what uh, we play for now, fun. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I just, in terms of entertainment, um, wasn't as entertaining as the League Cup final. I, I will say that. I think that was that was like a different level, but, but honestly, these players seemed 70 minutes hit and they looked shattered. Like both, both sets of players looked just dead on their feet. Um, Chelsea had a couple injuries like right before the game um, in Havertz, Werner and, and uh, Christensen, all three of them were I think expected to at least play some part in the game. And then Liverpool had their injuries to Van Dyke. Salah they had Fabinho injury going to that game so you know, the the last 40 to 50 minutes of, of game time was uh was not the best to watch honestly but then again we go to, we go to penalties and uh, the the moment I feel like the moment the the moment of the shootouts even though Liverpool ended up winning was was Mane coming up against uh, Mendy and and Jurgen Klopp apparently said to to Sadio Mane to go the other the the opposite way of of last of his last penalty um i think in the either from the app either from afcon or, or from the league cup itself I, i'm not quite sure what what the reference was but told him to go the opposite way than normal <laughs> uh because it, it was mendy he was going up against and and mendy had apparently had the same thought <laughs> and uh and then what and was able to get a save and then obviously um disappointed for mount to to not score his penalty but hey there there's there was a really good thread on on uh twitter i think by gare jordette if i'm pronouncing his name correctly where he kind of looked at what tuchel and um what klopp were doing like right before the penalty shootout in terms of
0: I saw that, Klopp, just like how they spoke. It. Yeah,
1: it was really yeah. interesting because, like we say, penalties are are crapshoot. And granted, they are crapshoot completely. But um, if you're able to even get something, like even even just a percent from just the the psychological part of it, because so much of it is psychological. Um, Klopp was speaking to the players like individually to to figure out who was going to take the penalty shootouts, whereas Tuchel was doing it kind of all in a huddle. And um, Jourdain was saying was hypothesizing that it could be it could be like a bit tougher like psychologically when you when you have to say it in front of everyone else when you have to say yes yes or no that i that i'm ready to take a penalty and and the order as well and stuff too so i thought that was a really interesting part of it and um look the liverpool i believe they've converted 16 of their last 17 penalties and and we've seen how good they are in the penalty shootouts as well. So, okay. There might be, there, there might be something to it. Any kind of like advantage you could get from penalties where, where it's basically a coin flip, like uh, is something that I feel like Liverpool are always looking into anyway, any, any sort of marginal gains there, but um, yeah, just dis- disappointing of course, but <laughs> this is just the Liverpool team is just better. Like I, I can't even, I can't, I can't argue that at all.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think that kind of came up, especially in the first half. There, were, Chelsea had their moments, but Liverpool were the better side throughout this entire game. I think they honestly carved basically the, like the, those channels on honestly both sides of the pitch in the attacking sense. They just ran right through them. Like any combination of Thiago Silva, Rudiger, were not really able to stop kind of the speed of Diaz speed of money just the quickness of play that was that was really what stood out to me um but yeah you i mean you also to a better team and there's nothing you, you can still hang your head high right that's not
1: the end of the world yeah and and the end of the day i think just about everyone at chelsea wants this season to end as quickly as possible they're very thankful, <laughs> so, yeah, very, thankful very thankful that newcastle did them a solid and, and these last two games will, will be no stress really so uh they have a new owner like we've talked about. It, they have a new owner coming in and, and all that good stuff. So we'll see. Um we'll see. It could be a lot of a much different team next season, potentially. Oh, it will,
0: well, it will be. We already have guaranteed yeah. departures. So yeah. It's uh it's bound to be a different team. And in some ways, I think a more exciting team, hopefully, depending on we'll, we'll on...
1: see. We'll see. Yeah. A bit of a rebuild that I think has to happen. So
0: definitely. Well, with that. You have all the updates about the games. Now you have Rian and I's thoughts in the FA Cup final. Mainly, Rian basically nodding his head in either approval or disapproval. I'm not sure. I would say constant benevolence, if that's even a phrase. Um, I don't think. I don't think that is a phrase. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, we will talk to you all next week. And with that, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Thanks, guys.
1: I'm not afraid to